Welcome to the weekly broadcast from Zion Church of Curtin. We are located at 977 North FM 2038. It is our honor to share with you the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ revealed in and through God's holy word. Isaiah 42, Christ as covenant. Christ as covenant. And you're right, Don, it's not a word we use a lot in our culture today, the word covenant. We don't use that a lot. Um, and so uh, we just want to be mindful that, uh, and I like the way you introduce that, the whole, uh, the, the reality, the biblical standard of covenant. Now, I've written in this handout that it is a contract. It's a compact. It's just this, this compact contract. It's an agreement. It's an expression of God's gracious promises to his people. And also our consequence, uh, uh, consequent relationship to him. Now, I've listed in this handout several examples of covenant. Um, I want us to pay attention to Isaiah 42, 6. Uh, I've written it, typed it out for you here. Uh, this is a statement about Christ. Uh, I am the Lord. Isaiah 42, 6, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. This is him speaking about Christ. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. So this is God the Father through the prophet Isaiah talking about the servant, Christ. There are four songs in Isaiah, four songs. And you could, of those songs, you could title them Covenant um, Messiah uh, songs. I mean, they would be, of these four songs, there's covenant concerning the Messiah, uh, his son, our Savior. And so I'm going to read that again. I'm the Lord. Now think of it in terms. This is speaking of Christ. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you. Christ has been appointed as a covenant by God to the people as a light to the nations. We just covered speaking of Christ as creator light the last several weeks. Um, and so here's, when you begin to examine scripture, and I loved what, what CJ said this morning, and I would talk a little bit more about, I don't believe in coincidence at all, um, that when you look at, and we're going to look at one in Genesis very quickly, uh, is that um, there are these examples of covenant throughout scripture. I didn't even put the New Testament uh, passages concerning covenant um, but many of God's mandates, his, uh, well, his law, his ordinances, his statutes have covenant language in it. So uh, I want to just look at Genesis 3, verse 14 and 15, give you an example of this. Um, and of course, this is after the fall. Adam and Eve uh, have fallen. They were not obedient to the one command that God would give them. And then God judges. God judges that sin. And then part of his judgment, we're going to see the introduction of covenant uh, language. Um, And so God judging the serpent in verses uh, 14 and 15. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, And more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and uh, between your seed and her seed. Now here it is. Think of covenant. 
He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is a reference between Christ and Satan, spiritual warfare, uh, the outcome. Uh, He, Christ, covenant, God's covenant, will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, I I mentioned, if you were to go to the Greek, there's a, a merging of two words, convene, and covenant. We're we're convening here this morning. We, we've convened. We've we've. The, it is uh, to convene is come together to meet to unite. So we're convening. We came together. We're uh, we're meeting, and we should be united. Now, God's covenant. Uh, God convenes with us in covenant. That contract, that agreement, that biblical word that we use. He convenes with us. He unites with us. He's in relationship with us. Uh, he, he does that to enter into a covenant relationship with, with him. Now, as we convene with God and enter into covenant relations with him, uh, we learn about God's character, his nature. When you think of covenant, as we get into this text now, the thing that you learn when God convenes with us and he has covenant with us, you know, when people say that, I, well, I don't understand God. You can understand God, his character, his nature, his sovereignty. You can understand all these things, his omnipresence and his omnipotence in all the covenants. Everything you need to know about God, you go to any one of these passages and you look at all the covenant places in scripture, you'll, you will know, you will know the character of God, his nature. You'll know his sovereignty. You will understand his omnipresence. He's present. God is always present. There's not a place or a time in the history of humanity that he's not present. Now, you and I may not be aware of it, but God is omnipresence. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. All-powerful. His power isn't limited. And so in covenant, you can see everything you need to know about God. Now, in the text, I just... uh, want to make one reference in Hebrews 13, 8, uh, this verse, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yes, and forever. So the world we live in right now, I'm 61 years old. I've not seen circumstances uh, comparative to the world that we live in now. I haven't. Uh, I've not seen the globe, uh, the global community shut down in such a way. Uh, a shot hasn't been fired, there's no war, and yet uh, this world community has shut down, and it's affected uh, all of us at some, in some fashion or another. Many financially, obviously the very nature of the virus, some in death, health, panic, fear. Uh, and, and as we explore Christ's covenant, we need to understand something. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yes, and forever. And now tie that all together. And what we know about God is character, his nature, his sovereignty, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. So let's go to Isaiah 42 and look at this entire passage. And then we'll enter into the lessons that we learn about covenant with God. So in Isaiah 42, beginning in verse 1, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, 
This is about the Christ. There's four songs in Isaiah, as I mentioned in this. Behold, this is the second one. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice to the nations. Speaking of Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, his son. He'll not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he'll not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law, the law of Christ. Thus says God the Lord. Who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I'm the Lord. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I'll appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, creation, light, covenant. Why? To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness and from the prison. I'm the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. The first thing I want to say about God's covenant, the very first thing, is that when you read that Genesis account of man's fall and um, the judgment of God, between Christ and the tempter. That covenant is always based upon that only God can fight. Only God can fight and have victory over our sins and the tempter. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I do know this. I know that you are going through some form of temptation. Every one of us is going through some form of of struggle and temptation, every one of us. Every one of us is engaged in some sort of battle, and it may be several. It may be, it, it could be financial, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be your marriage, it could be your business, it could be your family, but you and I are engaged in some sort. And on top of all that, we have to just deal with the, what we've talked about in past weeks, just the deeds of the flesh. And we have the struggles that are common to men, and then we have our own personal struggles. And, and, we, and we fight those struggles on a lot of different levels. If there's anything you need to learn about covenant, the agreement of God is he coven, co- convenes with us, and we learn about his character, his nature, his sovereignty, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. Here's the thing, you know, only God, only God, only God can fight the battles that are ongoing in your life. Satan wants you, the tempter wants you, and I more than anything else for you and I to fight our own battles. He does. You think about what happened at the garden. The great fall of man. What took place? What happened? There was judgment, but in the judgment, God has established in covenant language that, you know what? You don't, the battle is not yours. 
I'm not going to leave this up to you. I left the garden up to you, and you see what a miserable, miserable state of being that you're in now. So what I'm going to do, you can be sure, I'm going to convene with you. There's going to be covenant. And then the established point in that is, and you and I, church, we've got to know this. The battle is not ours. Satan wants so desperately for you to fight the battle. And not that's not it. The battle is God determined at the fall of man, there's going to be a battle. And the battle is going to be against the tempter. And the battle is going to be because of everything we struggle with in our flesh, our mind, our heart, and our, in our very being. And he said, it's going to be okay. I understand in my sovereignty what's going to happen. And let me tell you something. There's going to be a son. He's going to be born of man. And he's going to be born of spirit. And he is going to crush you. He's going to bruise your head. So, first thing. That in covenant, God is always based upon that only he can fight and have victory over our sin and the tempter. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. And this is where I just love what, uh, what uh, CJ did this morning. 4 and verse uh, 15. It says, uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 15. The great passage about uh, the word of God being a two-edged sword. Uh, verse 12. But in verse Uh, 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. I want you to take a step back. This morning and when you leave here, and I want you to be honest with yourself and with God. Determine what is heavy in your life, what is burdening you in your life, what battle and struggle that you're involved in and in the middle of in your life. And I want you to, I want you to just meditate on the covenant between God and you. There, we, we cannot fight and have victory over the things that we're engaged in, we can't. We're going to mostly fail. Ultimately, we will fail. But that God in covenant said, you know what? I'm going to take care of it. And, And think about the one who fights the battle and has never lost a battle. And he's been tempted just like you and I. But he didn't sin. Next, his covenant involves his chosen servant. His chosen servant in whom God's soul delights. It's right there. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I'll I'll have my spirit upon him. We know from scripture that God is love and God is spirit. Christ was 100% man and 100% God. He met every need. He was a fulfillment of scripture and covenant. I'll have my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice to the nations. God in covenant chooses his servant in whom his soul delights, who has his spirit and who will bring forth justice. As you examine what's taking place in the world today, in this nation, 
the the rioting, the looting, the pillage, the angry mobs. I think the angry majority. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Here's what I believe. I believe there's those people that are just motivated by opportunity. I believe that. But I also believe that most people, they want things to be right. They do. We all have a, from a very young age, you can watch little kids fight and they can tell you who's right and who's wrong. We all want things to be right. We want things to be just. If you're a student of history, the thing that we learn and we know is that man makes a mockery of justice. In our best attempts, in our very best attempts, we make a mockery of justice. A Roman historian, Herodias, said, the more laws a country has, the more wicked they are. Over two, it was over three quarters of our senators and congressmen are lawyers. I believe most of them want justice and what they believe justice is. They're all wordsmiths and word masters. They warp the law. They use the law. They inter- how could somebody interpret? How could anybody interpret something that seems to be so plain and clear? Well, the point is that we make a mockery of justice. But God's covenant is that he would choose one who his soul would delight in, who has his spirit, who will bring forth justice. No matter how broken and disheartening this appears, justice will be accomplished. We said the Lord, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In covenant language, part of the will of God is justice. You will not find any justice outside of Jesus Christ. You want justice? You want justice in your marriage? You want justice in your work? You want justice in your daily living? You want justice in your government? You want justice wherever you think you need or want justice? You won't find it apart from Jesus Christ. Now, the difficulty with that is, is that when God in his covenant gives us a picture of justice and then challenges you and I to be like his son in a just behavior, wow. Because his justice says, if somebody slaps you on the chin... What do you do? They slap you on the cheek. What do you do? His justice says, you turn, you give them the other cheek. His justice says, isn't it better to be wronged or defrauded? His justice says, consider others as more important than you. His justice says, if somebody asks you to go, if they want your, your shirt, your cloak, give it to them. If they ask you to go an extra mile, go with them. His justice is not like the justice of men. But his covenant displayed what the justice of God looked like on the cross 2,000 years ago. So, uh, no matter how broken, disheartening this world that we live in, justice will be accomplished. Now, I mentioned here in this number four, the evidence of God and his covenant can be seen in the creation. We've talked about that. I'll read that verse, Romans 1 and 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. God in his character, his nature, his sovereignty, his omnipotence and omnipresence uh, will have no excuse before him. None. 
None whatsoever. And his covenant is established because of that. Now, that's why I put that there. Now, in, in number five, it says Christ's covenant has been called by the Father in righteousness. He's been called by the Father in righteousness. Verse, uh, verse six, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've asked this question many years, many times over the years to Christians. And the Bible has a great deal to say about righteousness. They think about God's covenant, Christ's covenant, justice, righteousness. So I'll ask you this morning, if I were to ask you and get feedback for what is righteousness, the number one answer that I've gotten over the years is this, doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. And it's wrong. It's not wrong. It's not right. It's, it's wrong. When the Bible talks about righteousness, godly righteousness, covenant righteousness, the justice that will come through Christ as covenant, the righteousness of Christ as covenant, here's what it is. So you want to be right before God? You can learn this book. You can memorize this book. You can know this book. And, 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 and the most Bible-knowing church-attendant, self-righteous people that ever lived conspired to destroy him, the Pharisees. They thought they were righteous. Paul would even write about himself in the third chapter of Philippians. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth, eighth day, a Hebrew as to the law, the word of God without flaw. He said he was a Pharisee, a teacher of the word of God. He said, I count it all rubbish. Here's what righteousness is. Covenant language, nature, character of God, justice. And that is the righteousness of God, Christ, is doing the will of God because you love him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my command. The only thing that will ever make you and I right before God, as, as God saves us, is the righteousness of Christ. And the righteousness of Christ is this. I'm going to do what this word says because I love him. That's it. That's all. Righteousness is doing the will of God out of love. Verse number six here. God's language is we're, this covenant Christ. He's been held, protected, and appointed by God for you and I as a light to who? As a light to who? He's appointed him. You continue reading verse 6. I'm the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Church, I want you to hear something. God's covenant language, his justice, his righteousness, Christ as that covenant. One of the things that we tend to do is we, we talk about people and we talk about humanity. What do we really mean and what are we really saying? In the midst of this culture war that we're going through right now and racism and, and you say black lives matter and then you say all lives matter. And, you know, it, it's just in our nature to segregate, isn't it? It really is. It's in our nature to separate and justify our separation and to, you know, put ourselves at arm's length, even look away, ignore, live in frustration and anger over the division of all the humanity. Now you go to 1 John in chapter 2 and you read that. It says, Christ became the propitiation for our sins. His face is continually to the Father as an advocate for you and I. Not only did he die, but he died for the sins of the whole world. 
And this term in Isaiah, this, this covenant that God has appointed through Christ was for all the people. Church, we need to have a covenant mentality of God and we need to consider exactly the, the weight of this statement. There's somebody, anybody, that you and I feel the need to separate from, judge, be angry at, justify our feelings, however many self-righteous they are. The writer of Ezekiel says, don't even find joy in the death of a wicked man. The Bible and God's covenant realizes that we're all in this together. All of us that fit sin and fall short of the glory of God. I'm going to finish here. I want you to go to the 107th Psalm. I'm going to introduce this next week for time's sake this morning. I'm going to read a section of it, and then I'm going to close with prayer, one statement. So we're, we're going to actually finish here. Um, but in Isaiah 42, we're, he talks about prisoners. We'll talk about that next week. I want to read one section in the 107th Psalm, and this will introduce us in the next week's sermon. Verse 10, there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. And for his wonders to the sons of men, for he shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. That will be our text for next week. As we enter into that text and we finish this morning, I want you to consider one thing about covenant, convening with God in agreement, meeting together, united. His justice, his righteousness, his choosing. Where was the covenant fulfilled? Where did God ultimately, all the covenants in Scripture together, all of them fulfilled? It was on, Gal- Gal- it was on uh, Golgotha in Calvary 2,000 years ago. It was on a cross. And God, through His Son, His chosen Son, with His Spirit in Him, convened. He met with God. He was in agreement with God. He was united with God to fulfill the covenants of God on the cross. I don't know how important your life is to you. I don't know how important other people's lives are to you. I don't know. But if you need to figure that out, you only got to look at one point in history, and that's the cross. The covenant moment, the covenant statement where God convened with man. His son convened with his father. His son convened with us. The fulfillment of the covenant. God's justice. You want to see God's justice? It's on a cross. 
You want to see the nature and the character and the sovereignty and the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God? It was on the cross. You want to see justice and righteousness for all people? It was on the cross. It was on the cross. Now, how important is your life to you? How important is your neighbor's life to you? What's your purpose in life? What's the significance in your life? All you need to know about covenant happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. And the justice of God was, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The righteousness of God, when Jesus would say, I'll be lifted, I have to be lifted up. By lifting me up, all men, all men will have access to God. His righteousness. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came to do the Father's will. I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the sick. I came not to seek and destroy, but to, to save men. And the covenant of God is justice and righteousness was forgiven. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said, it's finished. And the temple veil was ripped, just ripped right in two in the temple, right there in Jerusalem. Darkness consumed the land. The dead arose from graves. A convict would cry out, remember me today when you come into paradise. A Roman centurion centurion who nailed the Savior to the cross said, surely this man was the Son of God. They figured out the covenant. Church, I hope we do. Thank you for listening to us, and please feel free to join us for Sunday School from 9 to 9.45 a.m. with worship service following at 10 a.m. Please visit our website at www.curtainchurch.org. Curtain is spelled K-U-R-T-E-N.